Should we be feeling good about the Baltimore Ravens after they escape London with a 24 to 16 win over the Tennessee Titans? We talk about that and so much more coming up next on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another episode of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I am here with your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Thank you so much for being here, making us your first listen each and every day. We're free and available all podcasting platforms that, of course, includes over in video form on YouTube and anywhere you get your audio podcast. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase, last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We are a five-day-a-week Ravens podcast, and of course, more sometimes, especially during the season, as we did a live instant reaction episode yesterday on Sunday. We bring your Ravens news, analysis, updates, the latest on Baltimore Ravens football and you can find us again anywhere YouTube audio form tell a friend tell a family member and I appreciate everybody who listens whether it's you're in every day or you listen every single day if it's your first time in welcome into the show and if maybe you're in the middle welcome back to the show here we have a lot to talk about today the Ravens go abroad they pull out a 24 to 16 victory over the Tennessee Titans it was a big win for them I think they definitely needed it after their debacle in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. Now, it was not the most impressive win. It's not something you look at and you say, yeah, everything is solved and all the issues are gone because I think we can be honest about that. They're not. And that's kind of the premise of what today's show is. Yesterday, we did the live stream. If you want to go check that out, we did an instant reaction, as I said, where if you want a more instant reaction, in-depth episode on the game itself. We'll still talk about the game today, obviously, but if you want more in-depth stuff, you can go over there and check that episode out. But I want to talk about how good we should be feeling about the Ravens right now after that win, after what we've seen through six weeks. We kind of did like a month check-in. That was a nice episode we did a couple weeks ago. But I feel like there's some stuff you want to feel really good about if you're the Ravens or any, any NFL team at this point. And there's some stuff where you're saying, all right, there's a little longer runway for certain stuff also. So we'll just talk about the mood right now about the Ravens. Then we will get into the Ravens and Titans recaps, talk about some stats, some general takeaways, and, and a lot more of that just in a brief second segment there. Then we will do an AFC North check-in. The Steelers had a bye, but the Browns and the Bengals also played alongside the Ravens yesterday. Well, not exactly alongside, but in the same day. So we'll talk about how it's sort of looking right now and if I still think the Ravens are the clear AFC North favorite. So again, a lot to get into today. Let's get into it. Let, let's dive in. Are we feeling good about the Ravens? That's that's the question. Now, I asked, I asked it after the game. I put it out on Twitter, and I'll actually pull up the tweet right now. I said, how good are you, are you feeling good? I think is what I said. I'll, I'll pull it up. But I wanted to get the mood of the fan base because it was a weird game. It was a wacky game. And all I asked was literally, are you feeling good after the Ravens week six went over the Titans? I got like over 300 comments, a bunch of quote retweets as well. And the general mood was a win is a win, but people didn't necessarily feel okay with it because the Ravens, some of it, a comment here says the Ravens got lucky. Another comment said the Ravens needed the win badly. 
Uh, some people don't know what to make of the overall performance here. It was a sloppy win, but the, the key phrase was a win is a win. And I, I agree with that. A win is a win 100%, but it kind of goes back to the same point that I've been making over the past two or three weeks where we can admit a couple of things about the Ravens right now. Their defense is playing lights out. Their defense is playing really good football. The ranks will come out on Tuesday after the Monday night game today ends. And the Ravens will be probably still in the top two, top five, probably top one in a couple of categories as well. They're a really good defense. But they have played C.J. Stroud in the, his first NFL game, a very hobbled Joe Burrow in week two, backup in Gardner Minshew in week three, backup in Dorian Thompson Robinson in week four, an abysmal Steelers offense in week five, and a terrible Titans offense in week six. The Ravens defense is doing their job right? They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're dominating the lesser offenses. They're dominating inferior competition, but there is only so much that they can do when the offense continues to put themselves in bad positions that in turn puts the defense in bad positions with turnovers, three and outs. And as I've been saying, once we get into the games like Detroit coming up, like Miami and San Francisco and the AFC North teams again, we're going to really start to see what this team is made of because eventually these opposing offenses, like the opposing offenses the Ravens have played so far, haven't really taken advantage of the Ravens' offense mistakes, whether they get the ball in good field position, the defense tightens up, whether they just continually get shots either outside the red zone or in Ravens' territory. They just haven't been taking advantage and eventually the defense is going to get worn down if the offense continues to play like this. And what do I mean by this? The Ravens put up 18 points in the first half against Tennessee. It's been a theme for the Ravens this season. It's been a tale of two starts, I'll say. They either start really fast, have a great first drive or a great second drive, and they kind of carry some momentum throughout the first half. But then they kind of fizzle out, and they don't have a great second half play calling gets conservative. Execution goes down. They, they can't convert. They're a slop. There's sloppiness in some way, shape, or form. Or they start a little slow, and then they really pick it up, whether it's a little bit later in the first half or in the second half. Well, obviously in this game, the Ravens had a great first half. And then just, I don't know whether they let the foot off the gas. I think that was probably part of it. I think that's been an issue for Todd Munkin over the course of the first six weeks here, which is going to have to change. But this win should have left a lot of people feeling good because you're up 18-3 to at the half. You force the Titans to give your offense the ball back. And then all of a sudden it's turnovers, it's three and outs, it's lack of execution, it's not great play calling. And it allows, just like we saw against Indianapolis and Pittsburgh, it allows a much inferior opponent to hang around and be in a game they should not be in. And luckily the Ravens were able to pull off the win this time around, partially because Ryan Tannehill threw for 76 yards and was awful. And then Malik Willis came in when Tannehill got injured and was worse than 76-yard Ryan Tannehill. But again, what happens when you play Jared Goff, who's on fire right now, or Joe Burrow when he's healthier, or Tua, or Brock Purdy in that San Fran offense when they're hitting on all cylinders? Those offenses take advantage of the opposing offense's mistake because that defense gets put in bad positions. And while the Ravens' defense, I trust them just as much as anyone for the most part of getting stops – there's only so much they can do before they start to tire out from the offense's mistakes. So it's, um, it's, it's frustrating in some ways because this game probably should have been broken open 
early in the third quarter or midway through the third quarter. And, you know, we should be talking about this was a dominant bounce back win, a blowout game. They needed this. But now we're talking about, yeah, a win is a win. And that's awesome. It's an AFC win. And that will go a long way potentially in December, January, when playoff seeding starts to really tighten up. But there's still trends that we saw over the first five weeks that, again, against the terrible Titans offense that does not feature prime Derrick Henry anymore. Derrick Henry, you know, balls forward a lot more than he used to and doesn't, it did not look good. The Titans offensive line was horrendous in this game. DeAndre Hopkins was held to what, one catch or maybe two catches? The Ravens defense did their job. And this was a game where, again, the Ravens gave the Titans offense chances. They did nothing with it. So for me, am I feeling good about the Ravens right now? I mean, I feel okay about them. I feel like they have the potential to be a really good team here and have the potential to figure it out on offense fully. But I'm still waiting. I think we're still waiting to see that full 60-minute performance. I mean, maybe the closest you can get there is the Cincinnati game in Week 2. Maybe the Cleveland game in Week 4, although that was kind of a slow second half. So we haven't really seen that full dominant, dominant, consistent performance from the offense, again, probably outside of week two, that's the closest thing you get to that. So it's unfortunate that, that it kind of came to that. And we're talking about how this team never makes it easy on themselves and they, they haven't had that dominant win yet, but hopefully it comes soon. I don't know if the lines are going to be that spot for it. It's going to be a really tough game, but if they can just get one of those, I think people will be feeling a lot better about the team in general, but coming up in the second part of the show, we will be getting into a Ravens and Titans recap talking about some stats from that game individual performances group performances and a lot more so stay tuned plenty to talk about on the show first this episode is brought to you by game time and there are plenty of times when i've had frustrating ticket buying experiences sometimes i wasn't really sure if the seats were all that good i couldn't find last minute tickets to some events that i was looking to get to and also there were just no good deals on a lot of places i went but you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And they have killer last-minute deals, all in prices. Use from your seat and their best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. And the Game Time app is super simple and super easy to use. And I know in the Baltimore area, unfortunately, no more Orioles playoff games. I was able to get to one. But the Ravens, again, coming home, playing the Lions at M&T Bank Stadium. Tickets are going to be available for that. You also have concerts in the area, which will be really fun. And on the Game Time app, you have those last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals. Easy, it's really easy to find and buy tickets over there, too, for every kind of event in your area. So you have views for all your seats in a specific venue, plus the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and more. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you a complete peace of mind with your purchase. And you can really see the view from your seat before you buy it, which is really awesome because you know what to expect when you arrive and you can see exactly how it's going to look when you get there. You can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. Plus, they're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. Game Time has deals on tickets right after the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. So it's the place to find those last minute seats. And with zone deals, you can pick the section and game time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find the tickets in the same section in a row for less. Game time will credit you with 110% of that difference. So if you guys work out of buying tickets with game time, then on the game time app, create an account and use code LOCKDOWNNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account, redeem code LOCKDOWNNFL. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L for $20 off. 
Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guarantee. And this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. And if you're looking for daily fantasy sports, Prize Picks is the place to be. Prize Picks is the most fun so many have had, winning up to 25 times their money this football season. You all have, you all have to do is select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. Plus, Prize Picks is super simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. So for this week, maybe in the Ravens game, you picked Lamar Jackson to go for more than his yard total, or maybe Zay Flowers more than his touchdown total, or maybe Mark Andrews to go for more than his touchdown total, more than his yard total too. There were a lot of good things over on prize picks. And prize picks offers really promotions that can lead to big payouts like Tacos Tuesday, which is awesome. Each Tuesday, prize picks discounts like player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Plus, with prize picks reboot policy, it's a really cool policy where your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. So for NFL games and college football top 25 matchups, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second, that player is rebooted. So prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance go to pricepicks.com slash locked on nfl and use code locked on nfl for first deposit match up to 100 dollars. again that's pricepicks.com slash locked on nfl use code locked on nfl for first deposit match up to 100 dollars. price picks daily fantasy sports made easy we're back here a second segment of locked on ravens kevin ostriker still here with you talking ravens football and baltimore's week six win over the tennessee titans is it was a game that again Probably came down a little bit further to the wire than many expected, especially after Baltimore put up an 18 spot in the first half. But again, win is a win. It's what counts. The Ravens moved to four and two on the season, which is really big for them just after everything that happened last week in Pittsburgh. But let's just talk a little bit about what happened in the game in general. The Ravens, again, score 18 in the first, six in the second. Lamar Jackson finished 21 and 30, 223 yards, one touchdown. One interception on the ground, 13 carries, 62 yards for him. Running the ball for the Ravens outside of Lamar. Gus Edwards had 16 carries for 41 yards, so only 2.6 yards per carry for Gus. Justice Hill, 8 for 35. He looked super explosive as well. Zay Flowers and Mark Andrews each had a carry. Zay had one yard. Mark Andrews had none. Receiving-wise, Mark Andrews, 4 for 69, led this team in yards, but Zay Flowers led the team in receptions. With six, he had 50 yards in his first ever NFL touchdown. So big congratulations to Zay. Nelson Aguilar, two for 40. He almost broke a touchdown, but the, the turf was really bad. We talked about it on Friday with Kadri Ismael. The turf and, and the surface, the playing surface, was really, really bad. Multiple players complained about it. It's been an issue really ever since these international games started. And there was some, there was definitely some slippage. Nelson Aguilar, unfortunately, a part of that. Otto Beckham, two for 34. Rashad Bateman, 2 for 15. Gus Edwards, 1 for 12. Patrick Card, 1 for 3. Justice Hill, 3 for 0. Defensively for the Ravens, Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith, as always, led this team in tackles. They were tied with 9 each. Justin Matabike had one heck of a game. Five total tackles with two sacks in there. Four quarterback hits as well. He, he's going to get paid. I don't know if the Ravens will be able to retain him. I'm hoping they can, but... He is having a breakout year in a contract year, so he's having a great time to have it for him. Marlon Humphrey had three tackles, same with Roderick Washington and Malik Harrison, who I thought Harrison had a pretty sneakily underrated game. Geno Stone continues to be incredible. He had an interception, three tackles for him. He is also going to get paid. He is somebody that stepped up big, big, big in absences. Jadavian Clowney, who the Ravens signed for pretty cheap, had two sacks in this one. And then you have other guys as well stepping up to the plate, playing really, really good football. Kyle Van Noy, another one of those guys. 
Now, Kyle Hamilton got ejected in this one. He ended up hitting Chris Moore in the head with his helmet. And to me, it's, I talked about it on the live stream. I won't get too, too much into it here, but it was a textbook personal foul penalty. You, you throw the flag, you call the 15, and, and I think you move on. It was really unfortunate that Chris Moore got injured, and I hope everything's okay with him. But the ejection, it didn't come from the referees on the field. I think it came from New York. It, it just felt it, it felt like an interesting, I, I guess, decision because Kyle Hamilton has no history of being a dirty player. It definitely didn't look malicious, and Hamilton said after the fact it was not malicious. It just felt like Hamilton was trying to dislodge the ball, and it was bad helmet placement. Like it, you're going so fast in that moment. If you let up, there's a chance Moore catches the ball and goes into the end zone. You, you want to make sure as a player – and again, I'm not saying it was a clean hit or anything, um, but I'm not saying it was a dirty hit. Like, oh, he meant to do it and it's dirty. He didn't, he didn't mean to do it. Like he doesn't have that reputation and the hit wasn't him like going after. I, th- I don't know what the officials kind of were looking at in New York, but I wouldn't have ejected him for that personally. I would have called the 15 because it was a penalty. I would have called the 15 and moved on. There were some questionable penalties against the Ravens in this game too. A couple of weird pass interference calls. Marcus Williams goes down with a hamstring injury. Kevon Seymour leaves the game as well. I think Malik Harrison went in for a concussion. So the Ravens did lose a couple of guys, but hopefully it won't be too serious for most, if not all of them. Uh, hopefully all of them will be able to get back on the field soon. The Ravens held the ball for 35 minutes, 42 seconds. The Titans for just 24-18. Baltimore, as I mentioned, went one for six in the red zone, which is pretty unfortunate. And I tweeted it out yesterday. For, and John Harbaugh talked about it during his media availability after the game. The first four weeks for the Ravens in the red zone, they were incredible. 80% conversion percentage in the red zone for the Ravens which is awesome. It was number one in the league, 12 for 15 through the first four weeks. But then the past two weeks, in week five against Pittsburgh, week six against Tennessee, they're one for nine. That's 11%. It's not good. It's not good. I guess, okay, if you want to say somewhere in the middle, but somewhere in the middle is like, I don't know, 50, 40%. You, you want to be up in the 70s, like 60s at the very least. You don't want to be in that 11% range. And this is in touchdown conversion percentage, not red zone, like total field goal and touchdown. I just, I just wanted to make clear. But the Ravens need to figure out these red zone woes because it hurt them so much last season. It was something we talked about over and over and over again on the show last year. And it looked like they were turning a corner with under, under Todd Munkin. But the Todd Munkin experience has been a little interesting, and we'll talk about that in the final part of the show, plus an AFC North check-in, where the Ravens stand right now, where the rest of their division foes stand as well, so be sure to stay tuned, a lot to get to on the show. But first, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn, and these days, having a potential hire can feel like a high-stage wager for your small business, and of course, you want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, and in Jobs, you find the right people for your team faster and for free, and for me, I've had a ton of great experiences over on LinkedIn. I've looked for jobs over there. I've sent jobs to people I know. It's really easy to use as well. And it's really easy to create a free job post over on LinkedIn Jobs as well. All you have to do is add your job on a profile, hashtag hiring for your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. There are simple tools you can use, like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates, just right skills and experience to include your prioritize, who would like to interview and who would like to hire. Plus, it's really important to start and end the year strong, and the right team member might be able to help you do that. It's why small businesses right leading jobs number one, delivering quality, hires leading competitors, leading jobs to find the qualified candidates you want to talk to. Fast push your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash lockdown NFL. LinkedIn.com slash lockdown NFL to push your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
We're back here, our final segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostrecker still talking with you here on this Monday. Again, I really appreciate everybody for tuning in and making us your first listen each and every day. We are free and available on all podcasts and platforms. You can find us on YouTube and video form. You can see my face, my background. We got the live fish in the background as well. You can also find us anywhere you get your audio podcast. So if one day you want to listen and then another day you want to watch, you can do that. It's the same show, so you're not missing out on any content. We also have a lot of cool things coming up this week on the show. I'm really excited for a lot of them. Not gonna not gonna spoil them. I want them to be surprises, but uh it's really cool. So be sure you're locked in here on Lockdown Ravens for everything we got coming up this week as the Ravens prepare to take on the Detroit Lions in week seven. But let's talk a bit about Todd Monk and I kind of ended the second segment with that and then we'll get to the AFC North check in at the end here. Todd Monk in, in his experience as the Ravens offensive coordinator I don't want to call it underwhelming because I think we've seen a lot of good from him. I think we've seen the potential this offense can be. And I don't want to say, oh, well, Todd Munkin has been a disappointment because there was always going to be, as I've said over and over, there was always going to be some level of just getting used to things, getting guys up to speed and live NFL action. Plus, they've had the injuries, which I think has set them back a little bit with just consistency and having everybody out there at the same time getting reps together in live NFL action. But I think the thing that I guess frustrates me or the thing that I have less tolerance for is some of the play calling and some of the sloppiness that is execution, right? Like Todd Monk is not out there fumbling. He's not out there committing the penalties, but it's some situational stuff. Like I go back to like week five against Pittsburgh, right? where the Ravens get the ball at the seven-yard line. I've gone through this sequence over and over again. The Ravens run the ball on first down. Then they have that shovel. They get three yards on that run. Then they shovel the ball from, it was like that Kelsey Mahomes or the Mahomes-Kelsey pitch. It was Lamar to Andrews. It got nothing. On that third down play, they throw the goal line fade to Odell, and it was a terrible throw. But I think the play call there was not the right one. I think Todd Munkin in the red zone, like in this game, let's say, the red zone woes, I think sometimes he ran it when he should have thrown it. Other times he threw it when he should have ran it. It just felt like there was something off about what the Ravens needed to do in the red zone and what they actually did. And it like happened too late where he should have run it here, but then he ran it there and it just wasn't, it was the right play to run it early, but not the right play to run it late. So it was interesting. And I think for Munkin, it could just be him trying to figure out his personnel still, but we're six weeks into the season. You know, we're heading into week seven now for the Ravens. I think there has to be some level of look. We're a month and a half in, and that to me has been a bit underwhelming. Now we have seen Lamar absolutely. He's been bonkers this year. He's been, he's been incredible. I think part of that has to do with him feeling confident in this system, having the trust from Munkin. I think Munkin was the right hire and was the right decision for this team, especially with what they're trying to do and where they're trying to go right now. I think they wanted to bring in someone who had experience and could connect with Lamar Jackson. It didn't feel like Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson had much of a connection, if any connection. It feels like part of the reason Lamar is so dialed in this year is because he trusts himself within this offense because his offensive coordinator trusts him. Like that's partially what it is. So if the Ravens over these next four weeks, this next month, right, that's where I'll say if the Ravens aren't hitting their peak after these next four weeks, then I'll start to become really concerned. I'm okay to say, yes, there have been some things that have been underwhelming about the offense, but others that I'm just saying, you know, fine, we'll give it some more time. 
but there's only so much time you can give it before it starts to become a real, real problem. Like some stuff is a problem now, but if you get into the middle, middle part of the season and it's still persisting the way it is, then there have to be like actual serious conversations. But let's talk about the AFC North a little bit before we wrap up here on the show. Baltimore is currently at the top of the AFC North in sole possession of first place at four and two because the Pittsburgh Steelers had a bye in week six. So they did not have an opportunity to defend their technically tie with the Ravens where they have the tiebreaker because of the win. So the Ravens are four and two Pittsburgh three and two. The Browns beat the 49ers on a last second field goal miss by the 49ers kicker. They win with their third string quarterback and PJ Walker it was a gutsy win for the Browns, right? You got to give them credit. Gutsy win. The Bengals beat the Seahawks in week six. So they are three and three at the bottom of the division right now. This is kind of what I was expecting a tight division race, you know, early in the season, obviously it's early. So nothing sticks from that. But the key here is the Browns are three and one at home. The Ravens, the Ravens have played four road games. The Browns have only played one road game. So they're going to be a lot of road games coming up for Cleveland and I think when you're talking about a game that you would have wanted the Ravens to win versus like if you put these two games side by side in terms of Tennessee and Detroit week six and week seven, I would have rather had the Ravens win the Tennessee game and lose the Detroit game. Hopefully they can win the Detroit game and hopefully they'll be able to pull out a win and inspire a lot of confidence in what their offense can do. And the defense obviously continues to play well, but as I kind of have it in my loss rankings, losing an AFC conference game is the worst kind of, is, the second, the second worst kind of loss you can have outside of a divisional loss, but an NFC loss, while you don't want to have it, it's not going to affect your conference record. It's not going to affect your divisional record either. So to me, I think that's the loss that I would be like fine with outside of the fact that it is a loss and it's going to hurt your record. With Baltimore being four and two right now, we could argue what their record would be. We could say, oh, they should be five and one. They should be six and zero. Oh. But they're a four and two football team because they put themselves there. And hopefully we don't go and back into that win loss, win loss, win loss pattern that we saw in 2022. And it wasn't great because they were losing games they should have won. And obviously they've lost, they've lost a couple they should have won here in 2023. But the Ravens go abroad. They wash away that Jacksonville debacle in 2017. They beat the Titans 24 to 16 and move that record to four and two. That's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. I appreciate everybody tuning in. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube. Follow along in audio form as well. When we get back here tomorrow, more Ravens content. So be sure to stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.